Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show with your chance to be heard, give your opinion, bash on the liberals, even make fun of the wacky left. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Thank you, and uh, it's great to be here on a beautiful sunny day here in Utah's Dixie. I'm Andy Griffin. Good morning. 9.08. Coming up on the program, we have Brian Hyde with me here in just a second. We also have Chief Stoker from the St. George Police Department is going to join me as uh, we will uh, talk about that fire that happened on Friday. Uh, Burned down a couple of houses, uh, knocked power out in St. George for an hour, hour and a half, knocked us off the air. And uh, in fact, I was up in Salt Lake getting ready to do the state baseball championship. Uh, Snow Canyon Mountain Crest, and uh, we, I get my phone blows up. I get about eighty-seven texts, and uh, uh, I'm like, "Well, you know, we're about to go live on the air with the state championship." And my boss says, "No, you're not." I said, "What do you mean we're not? It's going to start here in five minutes." He said, "Well, we don't have a radio station right now. Everything is off the air. We were shut down completely." So, uh, fortunately, no one was hurt. There were no deaths or, or, or even major injuries at all from these things. They even saved some pets. Uh, and they knocked the fire down, but in these uh, this dry weather and with the wind whipping, it could have been so much more tragic than it was. So, uh, not to minimize the loss that people felt with having their houses burned down, but uh, uh, thank goodness no one was hurt. Nine oh nine on KDXU. Brian Hyde is with me. Brian Hyde is in the midst of a move, and uh, from uh, from Salt Lake area to uh, <laughs> what I don't know, Twin Falls, right? Yes. Yep. There is, you know, the list, there's a list, like the four most stressful things that can happen in your life. One is divorce. One is a death, uh, you know, in, in the family. One of them is getting fired. And uh, you've got the uh, number four up there, and that's moving. Yeah, I, you know, frankly, I'd take any of the others right now just for a break. Okay, I'm <laughs> kidding. I wouldn't, but it, oh. it never gets, it never gets to be fun. And, you know, it's, but, uh, you know, everything is proceeding, and, and I'm happy to tell you life goes on. Look, I have the important stuff. My pit barrel is here with me. Yeah. And so worst comes to worst, I can throw something on the smoker and, you know, drown my sorrows in, I don't know, some pork loin or something good like that. <laughs> I did a brisket yesterday, by the way. Well, actually, I started it Saturday night and finished it. We had it for dinner last night. Uh, turned out very well. I did the kind of the Texas style, they call it, which you, you don't put all the fa- fancy rubs and sausage. You just cook it with kosher salt and black pepper, but it turned out really good. Turned out really good. So Nice. And had we had an eclectic group of guests last night. Uh, what happened was I was expecting a bunch of family to come, and then through circumstances, none of them could come. Uh, well, hardly any of them could come. And so I started texting out to people I knew, and, and a lot of them said yes. And so we had this weird little dinner party last night. But it was fun. It was really fun. Well, if you had brisket, you were definitely, you know, you were doing the right thing by them. Yeah, yeah, brisket, twice baked potatoes my daughter put together, pecan pie by my sweetheart. I know it's pecan pie around here, but in Texas it's pecan pie just for the room. Mm. So, yeah, it was it was awesome. Now, Brian, the move for you has been an experience and again, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago about why you're moving and and uh, uh the why is uh, you know, it's a personal thing, but the the how you're moving is that's tough, man. You uproot everything and head back to Idaho, which is uh, your your home area. Yeah, that's you know, this this is it's home territory. My wife and I lived here for a long time. I, we both have family here, but uh it feels great. It really feels good to be here. 
and and I'm I'm saying that primarily being out of Salt Lake traffic. Um, <laughs> wow, yeah. you know what a, what a great thing. But you know what? In the 25 years that I've been gone, um, this area has has grown. It reminds me a lot of what I saw happen in St. George. You know, just not so many years ago, where massive uh, influx of people brought lots and lots of opportunity, lots of traffic. But you know, it, it does come at a, at a small price. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about it. By the way, Brian Hyde Show, thebrianheidshow.com is the website. You can catch Brian uh, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., both Saturdays and Sundays here on KDXU. And by the way, you had a couple of bonus plays yesterday. Uh, in relation to that fire and us being out of power, one of the things the radio station does, we record shows that are going to play on the weekend. And so when we had the power outage for a time on Friday, we ended up having several of our shows did not record. And so when the computer went, okay, play this show, there was nothing there. And so we got a little bonus Brian Hyde action yesterday afternoon. I don't, I don't know if you were aware of that, but it was pretty cool. No. I, I mean, I'm flattered, but <laughs> I, was, I was surprised to hear about the, the fire. I had a friend call me on Friday and say, the wind is blowing like a hurricane down here. And he said hurricane, not hurricane. So I, I knew it was serious. <laughs> yeah. But I, I had no idea that, uh, you know, it, it would pose such a danger to the houses. Was it over on Diagonal? Yeah, 300 West Diagonal, just basically across the street from us here uh, at, at, at uh, KDXU. And uh, it was really scary. But I'll tell you what, kudos to uh, the fire departments. I think they had engines come in from all over, Apple Valley, Hurricane Ivan's, uh, you know, St. George, Washington, and, and they knocked that thing down. Now, I know four houses burned, but that could have been so much worse considering how dry it is. I did see the video of the police going around rescuing pets and thought, man, good for them. <laughs> that could not have been fun. I could hear them coughing as they're bringing, you know, out the, the little bitey dog that <laughs> didn't want to be rescued, apparently. But, yeah. man, good, good for them for having the courage to do it. Let's talk about a couple of things that you link to on your website. And, by the way, you want to go to the com. Calm. Click on show notes, and uh, it, he has them listed by date. And uh, I'm I'm kind of stealing a little bit. You help me with my research, Brian, because I'm sitting there looking for uh, for research on certain topics, and I'm like, oh, Brian already linked to that. All right, cool. So uh, uh, first, it's, one, it's, it's it's the whole circle. I, there there are hosts who who used to do my show prep for me, and now. Now I'm helping people with their show prep. So it's, it's all part of the circle of life, Andy. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> One of the articles you link to is from the AmericanConservative.com, uh, and it's called The Other Virus Learned Helplessness. This one captured my, I'm not going to say my imagination, it captured my interest, though, for sure. Uh, when you start reading the article, he talks about what learned helplessness is, and maybe I'll let you explain that a little bit, Brian. Yeah, it's, it, learned helplessness is what happens when you are trained to just give up. Yeah. In other words, you have to seek permission. You need somebody in authority to tell you, okay, you can now go visit grandma, or you can now take off your mask, whatever. Um, but, but basically, it, it teaches us over time that uh, it, when things become stressful or overwhelming, um, we don't need to fight back. Isn't that, and, and it gives several different examples. Isn't that the opposite of what we should be doing, Brian? Talk about those examples. So one of them was uh, you have to keep up with the ever-changing mask and hygiene rules. Uh So uh, wear the mask in the gym, but not in the pool. Uh, You wear it when you're going to the bathroom at the restaurant, but not when you're sitting at your table. You know, just things like that. And and the bottom line is you could push back, but you've been made afraid um, at a core level. And and that's, you know, you're putting people at risk. You're putting other people at risk. You're going to kill grandma if you don't do, you know, what you're being told to do. So... 
it's for some people it's easier, right? I mean, making decisions, taking responsibility is hard, and there's always the chance we might make the wrong decision, yeah. which is scary. Nobody wants to be that guy who, oh, Brian, you made a wrong decision here. Thanks a lot. But that's part of the human condition. What we don't want to do and what the article makes a great case against is waiting for someone to tell us what we should do and becoming, you know, so helpless that that basically we, we can't so much as put milk on our cereal in the morning without first looking to make sure, is it okay? Uh, do I use skim or 2%? I mean, there, there are people who are getting to that point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I don't think, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it's as bad in, in St. George's in Utah as much as other places around the country. But tell me how serious, say I'm living in a, you know, a $800,000 condo in San Francisco, and the, you know, I keep getting these edicts from the government. Uh, have I really given up? I, it, it seems like it might be a, a pretty bad problem in some places. Yeah, definitely some places are worse than others. But, but you can know for sure that you are experiencing learned helplessness when you find yourself having just a passive response to trauma, whatever that may be, um, when you believe that or when you disbelieve that you can, can, uh, you can choose your reaction to the trauma, in other words, that, that, or that the trauma can be controlled. And, and, of course, it's very stressful. And, and frankly, I, I found myself, you know, with, with the move this weekend, I found myself in a couple of instances where it was like, I, I'm feeling that sense of I just want to give up yeah. because this is so stressful and there, there are factors that are out of my control. But uh, thankfully, I got a handle on it. But, man, there for a while it was like it would be easier to just sit down on the curb and, and cry, wait for somebody to bring me milk and cookies. Can, can we trace this back to, I don't know, participation trophies? Everybody's a winner. Give kids everything that they could possibly want so they'll have a better childhood than we did. I mean, it, does it go back that far? Oh, yeah. Well, it, look, at, look at how victimhood has become a virtue in our society. I mean, the people are actually eager to, to show themselves as victims. And you know, we talked about this before, Andy. Why is it so appealing to some people to be a victim? And the answer is because a victim has absolutely no responsibility for their yeah. situation. Nothing is their fault, so it's it's easier in some ways. There, there was, and I'm not going to use her name, and I don't want to be sued or anything. But there was a, a lady who uh, basically purposely got herself lost in Zion National Park, and uh, you know, I I don't know what the real circumstance. Some people thought that she had a mental breakdown, whatever. But but she uh, was disappeared for I think it was like 14 days, and uh, didn't want to be found. At least seemed like she didn't want to be found, and and uh, it seemed like she had given up on society and did what you did, became a victim. When she was finally found, there was GoFundMe pages and all kinds of fundraisers and charities and things going on. To, to help this lady and Brian, it seems like not only is it happening, but it's happening high profile sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's not just people who are, you know, down and out. It's not just the homeless person. Um, I think it can happen to pretty much anybody. The, the thing I love about this article is it says, look, the way out of that learned helplessness is to allow people to make decisions and choices on their own. And, and translating that into what that would mean to you and me that means we've got to be willing to step up and make those decisions on our own and, you know, own the result. Sometimes people don't want us to do those kind of things. They think you're being too autonomous or, or they may see it as being rebellious. But, um, you know, look at the heat that uh, Rand Paul is getting right now because he made the announcement, I'm not going to get the vaccination. He had COVID. He said, you know, it, it, um, 
it, it shouldn't be a problem for him. But, man, he's getting some serious hate because, you know, the decision makers, the people who want to be in charge, we didn't give you permission not to get it. And, you know, they're questioning. You just have some kind of defiance disorder. <laughs> no, he's just a person who's making his own choices, making his own decision. And because he's had COVID, you know, he, he can, can say, look, I've got some natural immunity at work for me here. But anyway, there's a lot of pressure to, to be compliant. But if you want to get over that learned helplessness, you've got to be willing to take some criticism and take some heat. It's not that you're being reckless. You're just you're not giving in to the people who want to use this to control you. Again, we're talking about learned helplessness. The article Brian links to is from the AmericanConservative.com, and the author is Peter Van Buren. I thought, Brian, the most poignant uh, paragraph in the entire article was the first paragraph in the article, and I'm just going to read it. Uh, Why would any American allow the government to deny him a final goodbye to the person who raised him? Why would anyone allow Grandma to die untouched in a hospital room without fighting back? In the post-vaccination area, why don't people remove their masks? It's learned helplessness employed as a control tool. And you think about yep. the, the sadness, the heartbreak of what, the couple of things that he mentioned there is, is almost unfathomable to me. Well, and, and it's not just the people with the controlling nature that you have to worry about. I mean, the Karens, as we call them sometimes, that's kind of <laughs> sad because I know some really nice people whose name is Karen. But, yeah, me too. Um, the, the, the Karens, you know, they get that little ability to go flex some authority or to, to, you know, rag on people who aren't wearing their mask or aren't doing this right. You're not standing on the spot there in the line that keeps you socially distanced. And it's, it's not so much that, uh, that they are, are doing what they're doing, but they also have the full backing of much of the political class. And, of course, much of the mainstream media is, is doing everything it can to make sure that the narrative only follows the line that they want. And so if you so much as question, well, I don't know if I am, I don't know if I really want this vaccination, you know, well, then you're a denier. You're refusing it as opposed to, no, I'm choosing to abstain until I know more or can make a better decision about whether or not it's right for me. We want to talk a minute about uh, living without a computer, but let's go to the phone lines first. By the way, if you want to be part of the show, 673-5890. Hey, thanks for calling. You're on with Andy with Brian. Yeah, good morning, uh, guys. The uh, the topic you're uh, you're discussing is is really important, and uh, I think this conditioning has been going on for a long time. Really? Uh, one example one example would be uh, the term first responders. You know, this is something that's in the lexicon now that everybody seems to think that we have to wait for somebody to show up. The truth is we are the first responders. You know, the second responder is some time away. And, you know, we've been conditioned to go, uh, you know, go hide or go sit somewhere. Um, You know, this is part of the problem is that people have completely and utterly given up the responsibility of taking care of themselves and acting in a proactive way to be able to help other people and help themselves. And so, you know, first responder, well, that's great, but, you know, they're not. They're the second or third responder. If you're there, you're the first responder. And, uh, you know, another thing, the shelter-in-place thing. The first time I remember hearing that was the Sinaier brothers from uh, the Boston Marathon. You know, they told an entire neighborhoods, shelter-in-place, when what they should have been saying is, we got bad guys out there, and all of you men, capable men, we need you out on the street to help us get these guys. We have been conditioned to be victims. That is is so true. Amen. Uh, Thank you for the call. We've got a a bunch of callers on. I appreciate that. Uh, let's go to line three. Hey, you're on with Andy and Brian. What's up? 
Are you talking to me? Yeah, go ahead. This is George Staley. The topic really fits into how we've been conditioned not to fight back on keeping the Dixie name. Yeah. Uh, because we, we feel like that the college and uh, those educated people know all the answers, and as all they do is put you off when you're asking for things. I've asked uh, for things from the college through a representative. He's been denied three times to get this, the Cicero report in full for me. They've denied people from the committee. I've been turned down by a gamma request. And, you know, they're, they're just beating me down, and I don't want to give up. But mentally, with so many roadblocks, you know, you can't do it. And so we all have to get behind each other and support each other and uh, try to get the answers from the college that is the truth instead of the lies that they're putting out about the Cicero part. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, thanks, George. Well said. Yeah, don't give up, by the way, George. Don't you give up. You keep fighting for what you believe in. Hi, you're on with Andy with Brian. How are you today? Doing well, Brian and uh, Andy. What's so, up? And the, the topic that you've been talking about kind of brought to mind something that we've been learned or that we are going to be learning this week in uh, the Come Follow Me program from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, section 58, where it talks about we are not to be commanded in all things, but we are to be agents unto ourselves. Ooh, I like it. So, Absolutely. Yep. That's all I had to say. Thanks. Perfect. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Well said. We don't have to be commanded in all things. All right. Uh, hey, caller, you're on with Andy with Brian. What's up? Yeah, I was wondering about Brian moving up there to Idaho. Does this have anything to do with, um, oh, the big thing that was going on down in Nevada a few years ago with the, uh, oh, what's their outlaw's name? You'll just have to fill in the blanks yourself, Mr. Snarley. Yeah, Yeah. I'm sure you can come up with a pretty fanciful tale. You keep calling people's names and you'll be run out of Idaho also. (laughs) <laughs> and my my biggest thing is I'm just glad to see you go. Um, wow. You should have went to jail during that Bundy thing with all the rest of those people. Really? Jail? And, uh, wow. Yeah, you should have been there. And I think that's lingering. I think it's hurting you. And I think you finally had your comeuppance by having to leave the state of um, state of Utah. And I wish you nothing but bad luck. <laughs> well, I thank you for sharing your state of mind with us, and I hope you get the help you need. For, for the record, Brian did not get run out of the state of Utah. I, I, I'm pretty sure you're not exiled, right? I, I'm not. No. I'm not. You can come back. I'll, 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 I'll put something on the smoker for you if you come back to St. George, I, Brian. I have, I have many wonderful memories of the 25 years that uh, my wife and I and our family spent in Utah. But uh, we have family here in the, in the Magic Valley area of Idaho, and... It's. I mean, this is something we've looked forward to for many years, being able to be closer to family. And so um, I was surprised at the timing with which this, uh, this opportunity came, but we're very grateful to be going there, and we have absolutely no ill feelings whatsoever. And, um, oh, yeah, one of those outlaws, what's his name? Ammon Bundy actually uh, lives up here, too, up in Emmett, Idaho. So who knows? Maybe maybe we'll cross paths again. The Ammon and Brian show. No, no the Brian and Ammon <laughs> show. Let's do it in the right order. So, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, again, uh, the good thing for us, uh, digitally, electronically, is you're not going anywhere. You're still going to be on KDXU on uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and you'll still be 
uh, here as often as as uh, as you want to on the Andy Griffin Show as well, Brian. So uh, I'm going to be speaking the truth as best I understand it, just doing it from a different location. What a blessing to be able to to do it, you know, from wherever I happen to be. And I agree with you, Andy. The technology that makes that possible. That's something I'm I'm tremendously happy for. Is is Twin Falls, by the way, experiencing growth like we're seeing in in Utah? Oh yeah, all of all of Idaho. Boise is is growing like wildfire. Eastern Idaho, Idaho Falls, Pocatello, same thing. Twin Falls, same thing. Finding housing is is next to impossible. I mean, it's the the market is through the roof. Which again, I know you're seeing in St. George as well. Yeah, it's 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 definitely crazy here. Uh, well, I wish you the best in, in finding somewhere to live. Are you are you living in someone's basement or something for a little while? Temporarily, yeah. uh, we are living between my in-laws and my mom, but uh, we did find a house. And, you know, I, look, I don't want to get all religious on you, but um, we we made this a very uh, – we made a very prayerful decision about whether or not to make this move and pretty much put it in God's hands and said, look, if this is what we're supposed to do, we're committed. We're ready to do it. But we need help finding a place, and I'll be darned if we didn't find a place within about two days. We found a perfect little home that will work just beautifully for what we need. Well, and, and to kind of reinforce what we were talking about a minute ago, you didn't uh, you didn't sit down on the corner and wait for a place to find you. You went out and worked your tail off to find some some place. I'm guessing. I, I'm not kidding when I tell you it's it's miraculous to find something like this because everybody who heard we were coming back up here was like, "Oh, well, good luck finding a home," but. Um, we, we found one, and, and I, you know, to me, that was, that was a, an answer to a prayer. I thought that was really cool. Well, Brian, uh, once again, uh, I love your show. I love having you on on the weekends. I love even every once in a while being able to play a little bonus Brian Hyde on, on Sundays with, with the uh, Anytime. recordings not working. <laughs> and uh, if you want to catch folks, uh, the Brian Hyde Show, uh, best place here locally is 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. And the Sunday, it's uh, Sunday morning one, is a two-hour show. So we get five hours of Brian Hyde uh, every weekend. You can go to thebrianhydeshow.com and, uh, and learn more about what he's doing there and listen to his podcast and uh, check out his show notes. And if you haven't checked out Brian's show notes, this guy does his, does his homework, uh, Brian. I appreciate, I, honestly, I, the first thing I do when I start my week is I go, okay, what's Brian looked up this week? And now I'm going to look at what he had to say first. So I love it. Well, we're all, we're all trying to help each other find our way home in the dark. So I'm happy if it's helpful for you. There have been plenty of people who've helped me along the way. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. Always great to talk to you. Thanks, Andy. And good, good luck moving everything, man. <laughs> thank you. All right, everybody. Nine thirty on News Radio eight ninety ninety four nine KDXU. Again, the words of the day: learned helplessness. And was so poignant to me to read the very beginning of that article. Why would any American allow the government to deny him a final goodbye to the person who raised him? It makes me think back to last March, April, May. Uh, it, I don't know how long it was. We were, you know, we were not allowed to go in the room in the hospital and see people that we loved. My mom passed away last summer and she never went to the hospital. Thank goodness. So people weren't holding us back from seeing her. In fact, she made the conscious decision. Uh, she basically said, look, I'm going to pass anyway. I want to, I want the people I love around me before I do. And, uh, I'm so grateful for that. And if you were denied, if you were denied being around the people you love in their final hours, I'm so sorry for you. And I'm so sorry that our society and our government did that to us. We, we, we.
We're interactive at the Andy Griffin Show. Call in now at 673-5890. Text in at 435-467-5842. Email at agriffin at cherrycreekmedia.com. Let your voice be heard on the Andy Griffin Show. Welcome back. We're about uh, 10 or 15 minutes away from getting a report from Chief Stoker, St. George Fire Department, on that uh, nasty fire Friday that uh, knocked power out, burned up four homes and other outbuildings like sheds. And I think no one, not even a pet, was uh, seriously injured in the fire. So that is good news, and we owe it to all the fine uh, folks, the firefighters that uh, came, and even the police department that came and helped put this thing out. This is the Andy Griffin Show. I'm here every morning, 9 to 10 a.m., and uh, we'd love to hear from you. 673-5890 is the phone number. Uh, this uh, article, another article, uh, this one is from the website Mallard Duck. Now it's M-A-L-L-A-R-D-U-K, mallardduck.com. Uh, is written by a guy by the name of, where does his name go? Oh, Andrew Trovaluscu. I don't think I said that right. Anyway, uh, talks about computers in our lives. And could we live without computers? And he goes over some of the areas where we have computers. Of course, the number one computer that we deal with is this little bitty one I'm holding in my hand right now called a smartphone. Uh, and, and this smartphone... Uh, has a big time powerful computer, and in fact, the 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 even the like you get a smartphone from five years ago, you, you know, iPhone six or whatever it was, still a thousand times more powerful than some of the best computers from twenty years ago, and that's kind of the way the world has has gone. Is uh, you don't you don't uh, you, you don't exist now without a smartphone. Now I I have a couple of friends; they have flip phones, and I'm proud of them. Uh, they do have texting capability, but if you've ever tried to text on a flip phone, it's a, it, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you know how they have letters under the numbers? So I, I remember this from back in the flip phone days. So say you wanted to do the letter uh, U, so you'd have to go to the number and you'd have to hit it once for S and then once for T. I think I'm doing those in the right order. And then one, once for U uh, and and. So in order to type one letter, you'd have to hit that button three times. And there was no auto-finish or auto-correct or any of that. And texting was a chore. In, f- in fact, I had uh, this was back in the flip phone era. I had a son of mine who had accumulated both sent and received. So they weren't all him, but both sent and received about 10,000 texts in one month. And I think back then we even had to pay for it. You know, it's like a nickel or a dime, a text. Anyway, he got in a lot of trouble. Uh, but they were all sent and received via flip phone, by, by those number punch things. And anyway, that was a lot of work. But I, but I digress. Back to computers. Okay. Could you live without your smartphone? Well, if you think about it, um, you know, you need a telephone, but it's not crucial, really. You need, do you, do you need, calculator do you need facebook or twitter or whatever social media you like well define need and in this article again i'm going to try to say his name and see if i can get it close to andrew trovalusco trovaluski actually it's an i trovaluski all right anyway uh 
he says, you know, I found that with my smartphone, which is the hub of my social media, I've created all this these relationships, but they are facsimiles. They're fake versions of real relationships. He said, in essence, what I've done is I've created all these friendships that are on hold until I can hang out with my friends again. Now now that the country's opened up, I can maybe revive some of those. But he said that the honest truth is they were like place marks or, or bookmarks or placeholders uh, for my friends. Just so they knew, hey, I acknowledge your existence and someday I'll be your friend again. But they're not real friendships. He said uh, they can be reheated and my social life can be taken off digital life support now that the pandemic is easing up, and now that we have vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. But he said uh, the, the, the idea behind it all was to preserve these friendships so that they could be revived at a later date. Uh, and then he started looking at these friendships, and he's like, well, I mean, I knew this person. Was I really their friend? No. I, I knew this other person. We, we were never fr- I, I never went and had a you know, had a cup of joe with, with this person. I never went, went and hung out with this other person. And he realized that not only were they facsimiles of friendships, but honestly, none of them were actual friendships. They were people that he used to know, but didn't really know anymore. And he said he, he went through his friends list on his social media, and he said, I went through this list, and there were, I don't know, 100 people on, on my friends list of ones that I had interacted with. And he said, I really wasn't planning on getting together uh, any, any time soon with these people. And yet there it was uh, in my friends list. By the way, I had someone actually request a link to the uh, learned helplessness article. I'm going to do that real quick, and then we'll get back to the topic. It is an article written by Peter Van Buren. It is on the website, theamericanconservative.com. It's called The Other Virus Learned Helplessness. So if you go to theamericanconservative.com, you should be able to get to that article. It's very fascinating, very poignant article. Okay, back to the computer. So the guy decided, for the most part, 95%, 98% of his smartphone was unnecessary. He could live without it. And and honestly, if he had a flip phone, which has, a, in essence, a kind of a computer in it, uh, but, but if he had that, he'd be fine. Or a landline, which, by the way, are run by computers somewhere in the central phone system. But anyway, uh, okay, so he, he decided he could live without that. Uh, and then there's the question of education. Education takes place online. He's in the, this guy that wrote the articles in the process of getting, a, I think, a doctorate. And he said a lot of his stuff, not a lot, most of what he does is online through the Internet. He gets assignments. He turns papers in. Some of the lectures are virtual. Uh, the resources that he has uh, given are their links. He has to click on a link to go do his research. He said, I don't, I don't think I could do my education without computers. And he did say that, uh, and he writes papers on them, et cetera, but he did say this. He said, but... I'm special. I'm going to school. That doesn't mean you are. He said, so we could take education out of the equation. Computers. He said, what about music? He said, most Americans, not all, but most Americans, music is an integral part of our lives. Me personally, 
I uh, grew up playing music, being a part of music. I grew up uh, as a, I became a disc jockey, played a lot of music, became a bit of a music trivia buff. Uh, I, I have seen, I have overseen the, I, what I think is the, uh, the kind of the downgrading of musical listening. Uh, I know it's digital now, but, uh, you know, to me, I mean, we kept, we climbed this mountain to have music be this incredible thing. And we got to compact discs and music was digital and it was perfect and it was clear. And then along came streaming services. And at first they were so uh, slow, you know, we, our, our connections were so slow that to, they had to strip the song of all its soul. So you were li- basically listening to an AM radio version a non-stereo version of all your favorite songs just so you could stream them on, you know, on your phone or your computer or whatever. And they've gotten a little better, but the songs still aren't up to snuff of what they were. And so, and so that's tough for me. But again, I digress. Back to music. Could we live without music? Music has become such a part. We don't even realize when music is playing in the, anymore. You go to a store... Music's on. It's in the background. Do you listen to the music when you go to, you know, Walmart or Smith's or whatever? It's there. They're playing it in the background. Do you listen to the music when you go, uh, I don't know, uh, shopping in the mall? Probably not. What about if you're in an elevator in a hotel? Mm, Yeah, there's music there. (laughs) You didn't even think about it, did you? Music has become a part of who we are. And without computers, there is no music. Could we live without? I don't want to live without music, personally. Um... So, yeah, no computers means uh, a very quiet life that we live in. Of course, the largest barrier when it comes to uh, getting rid of computers would be uh, the, uh, the uh, loss of computers for our work. And many of our lives, mine especially, uh, I, have, I sit in front of three or four computers every day here in the studio. And I don't know if I could manage without computers. It would be very, very difficult. I believe we've got Chief Stoker on the line now. Chief, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, thank you so much for calling in. I know you and I didn't get to talk, but I wanted to see if you could maybe just give us a a little five-minute update on uh, what happened with the fire on Friday. Uh, Friday afternoon, we received a call about 2.45 for a uh, fire on Diagonal, about 300 west. Upon uh, our first units arriving and, and also the police officers arri- arriving, the fire had grown quite large due, due to the wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up having four homes that were involved. One was a, a multifamily uh, home, like a fourplex, and then uh, three other single-family dwellings uh, that were, uh, those three are, are uh most likely a total loss, and we also had a, a couple that were uh, just had some exterior damage. Then also multiple uh, around that property on the block on 400 North and 400 West Streets. Both had damage to some of their some sheds and some other outbuildings in their backyards. Now, from what I understand, nobody was seriously hurt in this fire. No, we had uh, no injuries. Everybody was able to be evacuated. Uh, neighbors were evacuating. Also, uh, police and fire were evacuating. Uh, and on, on this one, that that was very fortunate. We had a lot of spot fires due to the wind. Uh, we had yeah. uh, embers that were carried up into the 500 North uh, Hope Street area. We had uh, multiple wow. fires, spot fires up in that neighborhood. 
So to be able to go through something like this and not have it, any injuries to police or fire or uh, civilians was, was pretty remarkable. You know, I've been talking for uh, a week or more about this red flag warning and telling people to please be careful out there. What does that mean to you, and what, what do you want the public to know when we hear red flag warning? Uh, anytime there's a red flag warning, we're going to have uh, high winds, sustained winds, uh, and so that that really affects the fire behavior, not only on wildland fires, but also uh, just like this, right in the middle of town on, on a structure fire. Uh, at this time, we, we still... Uh, the cause is undetermined. We're still looking to see where the fire actually started. Uh, but it, it, from the first reports and some witness statements that we had, the fire started in the, not in the homes themselves, but possibly in a shed or in the backyard of, of one of the residents. But again, with that wind blowing, we, we, from what we've heard, the winds were anywhere between oh, 45 and 55 oh. miles an hour at the time, wow. which carries debris, like say, quite a ways from the fire uh, and, and so the fire behavior really is becomes erratic at that point like say especially on, on a wildland fire where you're uh, you know you may have upslope hills and and those types of things that wind will just push that that flame uh, quite quite rapidly and so our our main priority like this fire on diagonal is is to one you know, life safety is number one in importance to us, whether it's, you know, firefighters or civilians or the occupants of the home. You know, that's our first priority. And then we try to stabilize that incident, which we try to uh, keep it from spreading. And that was our, our uh, goal on that fire was not only to extinguish what was already burning, which was about a third of a block, but, but try to keep that from spreading into those other neighborhoods. Uh, when our, when our, first units arrived, we, we requested mutual aid from neighboring departments, and we had multiple departments from throughout the county respond, and without their help, uh, this incident would have grown much, much larger. So we were, we rely on our mutual aid departments, you know, in, in the county and in, in the region, and, you know, we've got a great mutual aid system and, and working in relationship with all the fire agencies in our county. Well, you know, it's an awful thing that happened, those houses burning, but it sounds like it could have been so much worse. So thank you, Chief, for your service and, and for call, all the people that responded. Did I hear there were even a fire engine from Apple Valley all the way in here? Uh, we, we did have uh, some units from Colorado City, wow. uh, Hilldale area. And mm-hmm. like I say, I, we're trying to compile the list to make sure we don't miss anybody, so I hate to just name name right, the ones right. that I'm aware of. But we had we – had, uh, fire apparatus from, like I say, multiple agencies throughout the county that, that assisted us. Thank you so much, Chief, and, and all your good men and women that to work and, and help that not be, uh, I mean, you, you hear nightmare stories of, play, you know, towns in California, whole towns burning down and stuff like that, and, and thankfully you guys were able to get out there and get the job done. Thank you so much. You bet. We appreciate your your uh, words, and, and then again, just be safe this summer. It's it's dry out there, and anything we can do to, to prevent any type of fire. Most of your wildland fires are human-caused, and so we just ask people to be very, very careful, use common sense, and, you know, don't. Right now there's restrictions on open burning throughout the state and the BLM and, and the city, so each, each city will be uh, putting restrictions up as far as fireworks and open burning, so check with your local fire departments to you know, make, make sure that you're following those restrictions. Thank you, Chief. Great to talk to you today. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. This is News Radio 890 KDXU. That was Chief Stoker, who uh, I think those guys perform miracles. The, the, to knock that fire down as dry as it is and as windy as it was, 
that could have been a real nightmare. I mean, that could have burned half the town down if they hadn't been on it. So thanks again to our uh, firefighters and, and police and those that responded and, and helped knock that thing down. Uh, 9.50 on KDXU. Let me real uh, quick talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant serving uh, Southern Utah for more than two and a half decades. Pretty cool deal. Uh, Joe Shoney's uh, specialty is customer service, making sure that you are taken care of and that uh, everything that, uh, you know, everything that, you know, you need to know, you know, instead of having, you know, being surprised, getting all these surprises, hey, you got to be here in seven minutes to sign or you lose the house, that kind of stuff. That doesn't happen with Joe Shoney. He takes care of the customer, lets them know every bit of the way uh, what's happening. His uh, reviews are, oh, they don't lie, 491 uh, out of 550 reviews, now just got an update there. 550 reviews, 4.91 out of five stars. Phenomenal stuff. Uh, the latest one, Stephanie says, I always get prompt response with any question I have. I also love the willingness to explain to the client things they may not or do not understand. That's what Joe offers, five stars. Give him a call today at 435-590-6300. Be right back. This is America for crying out loud. Traditional, conservative, capitalistic. Let's band together and melt the snowflakes on The Andy Griffin Show. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Radio 890, 94.9, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. I'm not going to lie, that little, they call them sweepers that I just played, promo. I like it. It's. It's like a guilty pleasure. I know it's not very nice melting the snowflakes and all this stuff, but it makes me feel good. It kind of fires me up to uh, continue to pr- promote conservative values in this St. George community of ours and, uh, yeah, and, and melt the snowflakes a little bit. It fires me up. It's like it's like when you're on a diet and they have some kind of, uh, well, for me, it's dark chocolate, some kind of dark chocolate brulee type thing, and it's like I, I really shouldn't eat that, but... Oh my gosh, is this good? <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I feel about that liner. I'm going to keep playing it until somebody fires me or tells me not to play it anymore. We were talking about computers before we got a, a chance in to talk with Chief Stoker. I appreciate, by the way, Chief Stoker coming on. He didn't have to do it, and uh, you know it was kind of a last minute thing. But I thought it was important to give everybody an update on what happened with that fire. Uh, it could have been it could have been so much worse. So uh, again, computers. Uh, we determined social life would survive without computers. You can use a phone still uh, and survive without computers. You, you know, you could do most of your uh, shopping, things like that, without a computer. But what about your career? Now, computers have become job necessities. Might and and I'll be quite honest. For most of my career, without a computer, I'd have been in big trouble. Uh, in fact, I would say I would not have been able to complete my job without computers. Back in 1993, 94, I was uh, laying out pages for the Daily Spectrum. I was I was a sports editor, and part of my job was to uh, compose the pages that made the sports section. And even though it was incredibly slow back then, I mean, I mean, it was slow. Just like calling in a picture, and you know, the, the photographer would. Uh, give it to you on a floppy drive. Yes, we had floppy drives, and then uh, you would you would upload it to the page, and it took forever to get a a high quality photo to upload and then download and 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 get the you know to get the page put together. That was incredibly difficult, but uh, it was easier than you know the photographer printing it and me 
typing something on a typewriter and then cutting and actually pasting the pages together and and uh, anyway, long story short, I've been using computers a lot in my career. Like basically every, you know, every job I've ever had was uh, the base was the computer. You know, I'd go cover events and then I'd go to my computer and write up. Even way back when in the 80s, late 80s, I had something we called it. It was a TS-80. We called it the Trash 80 because it was this little thing. It was about the size of... Uh, it was about the size of a closed laptop, but so it was all just one level. It had a keyboard and it had a little LED screen, LCD screen, excuse me, a little LCD screen. And uh, you could only see two or three lines. I think it was three lines. You could see three lines at a time. And we had to type our stories on that, and we had to plug into the phone line and, you know, you know, upload to the uh, upload to the uh, phone line, and we had to uh, go from there, upload the story, and uh, if you made a mistake and it was further up in the story, you couldn't even see it. And I mean, it was it was quite an adventure. But I'm, so I, so computers have been tied to my career. I could not have my current career, at least not the way it stands, without computers. And I'm telling you this uh, right here on the radio station. I sit there with an electronic board in front of me, uh, two computers to my right, one to my left, a phone deck. Uh, to uh, to my near left, and uh, my cell phone, my my smartphone with me uh, the whole time, uh, which would make what that like the fourth computer uh, that I'm looking at during the program. So without computers, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Um, so what where do we go from here then? Uh, I think what it behooves us to do as as parents, as consumers, is try. We can't quit computers. We just can't quit computers. But we can limit computers. We can limit time on computers. We can limit uh, what we rely on for computers. Our friendships should not rely on computers. We should not need a computer to have a friend. Um, it's, it's, you don't need it. A friend is someone, a real friend is someone you hang out with, someone you talk to, you do things with, go fishing or play pickleball or whatever. That That's what friends are, not I have 1,276 friends on Facebook, and I put a post up, and it gets 150 likes or 68 comments. That's not friendship. That's, that's mindless bragging. That's, it's, it's not friendship. It really isn't. Those friends, take your list, print it out. Cross off all the ones that you're never planning on doing anything, anything with ever. Just cross them off. That doesn't mean they're not your friends anymore. They're not your you know, list of friends. It just means they, eh, they're acquaintances. That's, that's not really someone I want to do something with. And then the ones that you find you do want to do things with, call them and do something with them. That's how we fight this whole reliance on computers. Do something real. 